This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. My belief is that when the U.S. government officials meet the Chinese, it's often about, you know, trade wars and, and turf wars and all these things. When our executives uh, in Europe and U.S. meet with the Chinese, they're thinking to themselves, wow, opportunity. How do we, how do we get a taste of this? This is, uh, this is, especially when you've got a, an egotistic megalomaniac Fortune 500 CEO at the helm, right? Um, you're going to be thinking, wow, I, I, these Chinese companies are, are going full stack and kind of entering industry after industry and are having so much power. And that's very inspiring. So for me, I feel like there's a disconnect. I feel like those who are privileged are the ones who are in the corporate world, in the capitalist world in the US and Europe, they're the ones who are spending time in China, investing time in China and learning from China. Well, as the rest of the people, right, whether that's government or the middle class or, you know, executives at smaller companies are still stuck at a small scale, sort of getting brainwashed by what the media says. China, to me, feels like a big land of opportunity. In, in my last company, um, Vungle, that I founded, we we, we built a, a, from scratch, actually not from scratch, we actually acquired a, a China Chinese uh, sort of companies, Zynga China was was sort of divesting and we, we, we bought, you know, like 30, 40 people from that team. And I was very, one of the first people to really in our industry to go to China in the advertising space. And we built a multi hundred million dollar revenue business just coming from China alone. So, you know, I felt like, wow, every board member I talked to, Every investor, everyone else is telling me, don't go to China. It's not going to work. It's too difficult. And I thought to myself, screw that. Like, go there and learn. And to me, it was like, wow, this is a secret. So I, I think it's a secret still. I think the the executives in power are the executives in power who travel and spend time in China are the ones that are seeing it and are going beyond what they read in the in the Western media and the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I think that's right. I, I agree. But here's what I see happening. In fact, I, I've been talking to a number of people in the last couple of days about sort of visa issues, because I, I have uh, people all around the world in my company, and there's just a lot of visa issues right now everywhere. Um, Singapore is very difficult to get in right now. Um, Taiwan, very difficult. Uh, Hong Kong is very problematic. China, the more that the U.S. Uh, bashes China, and and you're and you're, you're getting language that's quite insulting and and, and you know is bordering on humiliating China. And, yeah, and the more you do that, the more China is going to close its borders and basically say, you know, it's just not worth it. I mean, we're, we're, maybe we don't want to have that many Westerners in Shanghai or Beijing, and that's been great, you know, for everybody. Everybody's, you know learned a lot and, and made money and, and created, you know, great companies. But, you know, I, I, I feel like in the last month or two, China's sort of like, maybe not so much right now. Maybe we're going to put a little bit of a delay on these visa issues coming into uh, China. And I, of course, it, it's COVID related, but it's not, if you get my drift. And so I feel like... This is a tiff attack, right? Like, you know, how many great companies were held up in M&A, and you've been in M&A, right? Cepheus, 
the bane of our existence, you know, the Committee on Foreign Investments in the United States, uh, even in my industry, in the advertising industry, we were not able to, and, you know, we had giant Chinese companies who wanted to make strategic investments in, in my last startup. And, you know, we're talking potentially $100 million plus investments. And, you know, we just weren't able to get it through, you know, CFIUS and, and they don't give you a reason why, you know, n national, you know, data is at stake and there can't be so much ownership from Chinese. And it, when you start to see so much of a wall, it feels like China then realizes, well, we've got a huge population. We've got some of the most talented people in the world. Let's just service our own population then, you know? Uh, and that, that, right. that, that's, that's right. Exactly. Shame, yeah. happens. That's right. And so that, that's what, that, so the foundation of this five-year program is called the dual circulation, right? And so, so, so China says, well, we're going to have this outside thing. BSN is going to work internally with the smart cities, and it's going to have an external link uh, through this company called Red Date. And, and, and China will say, look, we're going to have it. We're going to be open up. We want to be open. We want to give people the chance to have goods and services both in both directions. But just in case, we have a dual circulation. The internal circulation <laughs> technology will be totally independent and can be pulled apart uh, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock if we need to. So, so that's what China has built in right now. And, and, and I, think, I, I, I'm... I think when you when you take that statement and then you layer on the power of super apps, in your book, I quote, there is no drive to integrate PayPal into Facebook. Google has no Taobao, no way to connect Amazon to civic activity like paying fines. That, that's when the power happens, when you, when you have these super apps and you connect them to, you say, civic activity, then you've got a beautiful partnership between the public and private uh, sectors and you know, a government sector, I mean, and, and, and that's when you can really execute on big organization. It feels like China's got a model down here. It, it, it's kind of uh, arrogant and ignorant to say, you know, China's socialist, is communist. I, I think China's inventing a new model of cooperation that isn't quite capitalist. It, 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 I don't know where it fits on the spectrum. It's probably its own, its own you know, dimension, but the way mm -hmm. they cooperate and the way they do things is very, um, is very telling for how much progress they're making. Clearly, it seems to be working. Well, that's right. That's right. And, and so, so I would say to you that that the reason that's happening is because China did not have a GFC. You know, in 2008, 2009, China was fine. China did not blow up. China did not have a disintegrating banking system and then bail out all the rich people and bail out the banks and then screw the, the homeowners. Right. That's that's the roots of this bitter anger and, and, and wrath in America was the banks got bailed out again. The central bank is at it again. Right. Citibank and, and, and everybody got bailed out and we were left, you know, holding the bag and paying for everything. And, you know, three million Americans lost their homes and, and home ownership went down from like 69 to 64 percent. Right. So there was a loss of five points and it's very hard to get that back right right and so 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 that's why the, the, and, and you can see even with masks right i mean can you imagine if someone said well oh hey we have a really neat idea why don't you put your all your civic data on on google and that would be really great for like a public private partnership and and, and america's going to take out a gun and say get away from me or i'll shoot you you know and so i'll give you the example um i have a couple of clients in toronto and I, you, you might be aware that toronto was going to have the smart sidewalk thing with uh google and it was going to create a really like a like the a smart city for toronto and they haggled and and, and went on and on and, they, and google finally canceled it because of data privacy issues and so i think the data privacy issues are very problematic in america very problematic in europe. in europe yes yeah even more so 
Um, China, not so much. Singapore, not really. Um, Taiwan, not really. Korea, it, not really. Does it come down to the public ultimately? The public are willing to be more compliant and trust the government in China. And so you can use technology in a way you could never get off the ground. I mean, you know, if you look at what computer vision can do, if you look at what AI can do, and it can literally count people and you can you can track people, right? And, and that's been great for China when it comes to, you know, contact tracing and enforcing rules and, and order in society, right? Before you could even get to brainstorming, there's a whole bunch of ethical issues to consider in the US and Europe. There's consumer privacy, violation and, and you know it, it seems to yeah, me like yeah. the reason it's succeeding in China is because the consumers are a lot more trusting and are, are willing to have their data be uh, used in this way well and I think the Chinese consumers smart they, they know the Chinese government's got everything anyways and so well you know by the <laughs> way I feel like I still get a good deal on it America is like th this crazy you know democratic shining light on the hill look I worked in the White House you know I worked in the White House during the Reagan administration, I, you know, I saw in front of my eyes what goes on. The <laughs> NSA and the DIA get everything. Are you kidding me? Right? And so everything is constantly hoovered up uh, in the Defense Intelligence Agency, the National Security Agency, and other uh, you know, agencies that we don't even know the names of, that I know the name of, you know, are, are getting all of this data you know, all over the place. And so America lives, lives this crazy capitalist myth where there is an immense amount of relationships between, you know, D.C. and California, right, where um, the founding, you know, investor in Google was InQtel, which is the private equity arm of the CIA, you know, and, and InQtel currently has about 160, you know, funding projects in California, you know, where Google actually about four or five years ago, a, a correspondent from the Financial Times told me they stopped, you know, publishing the names of people who were visiting because so many military officers were coming in and out, right? And so, you know, this this myth of, of capitalism, pure like capitalism in America is just hilarious because first of all, Edward Snowden's, you know, um, release of all that, that, the, that, that, that metadata, you know, of, uh, that was, you know, millions of pages of, 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 of um, information about what the NSA collects in American society you know, really, you know, blew the doors off this myth. But also because, come on, if you just read anything or, you know, from my background working for the White House, you know, come on. I mean, you know, we can say that there's data privacy. No, there's not. No, there's not. Come on, right? And so, so America has to stand by this myth and that, that you know, we, we have this, um, you know, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and rely on the private sector and, and government is bad. And yet, you know, the, you look at the, the red state zip codes and the, the, the redder the zip code, uh, the more defense spending they have. You know, go look at a map and go figure out South Carolina, North Carolina, Northern Florida, right? You know, red Connecticut, uh, <laughs> Orange County, California, where I come from. It's you know, all Pentagon contracts. When you look at all this, it really feels like it's the psychology of the millennial generation and, you know, a, a lot of social unrest, which is, which is, you know, sort of blaming and pointing fingers and wanting more, you know, protection. And that holds a society back because we're living in an age of digital transformation and you cannot take advantage of that if you're bickering and fighting. Now, I want to I wanna talk about the future of PropTech. So when we talk about the future of PropTech, 
and we, and we look at the lens of US China, we're already seeing some great, you know, some of the world's largest companies here. We've got JP Morgan, we've got BlackRock. In your book, you talk a lot about JLL. I mean, I'm amazed how, how much JLL is doing in China, especially after reading your book. And I, I know JLL quite well. Um, so, What's the future looking like, you know, uh, for Western companies? Are we going to go to China? Are Chinese companies going to come here? Sort of what's your take on just the future, uh, the, the next five, 10 years? Well, uh, you know, uh, okay, yeah, that's a great point. You know, I, I've been talking a lot to JLL in the last several weeks. Uh, they're doing some fascinating thing. I mean, this is a company that they, they manage 1.2 billion square feet, right? I, I, think the, I think the office space is going to get reinvented because of COVID, right? The shopping mall was dying. Uh, I have an idea that shopping malls are going to become like lifestyle vertical yeah. farms. I, I, I'm, I'm going to take a real wild swing. Lifestyle vertical say, farms. What does that mean? It means you can uh, use your in, you can use your interior storage space for uh, vertical farms for vegetables and fruits and have uh, markets have a have your farmers market in in the old uh, lobby where uh, it, it's you know it's all it's all closed anyways and vertical farming is actually pretty easy to use it's just energy intensive um, the kind of styrofoam and new technology that you have for insulation and mist you can grow fruits and vegetables 24/7 there's no crop failure um, it's an and more and more meat substitutes are going to be from food right, right from foodstuffs and so this is this is going to be a big revolution and I think that. Um, we're going to get some, you know, fantastical uh, experimental, um, you know, new uses of, of of office space and the integration of home and office uh, in ways that we haven't even thought of yet. I think the smart cities, though, is really going to be the interesting one. I think that, you know, lays the groundwork for um, that the, the purchase of a car becomes like a like what you know what, what we would have done you know uh you know 40 or 50 years ago in terms of like uh purchasing you know s some sort of item in your home like you know uh, like like uh oh, the old-fashioned water heaters that were giant and clunky and they were 14 feet high and they cost you know twelve hundred dollars you know a car is going to become like how why why on earth would you think of owning a car when there's autonomous cars that will pick you up you're using your car five percent of the time autonomous cars controlled through smart cities will come and get you without even a problem and so you know we're going to be going down that road and if you do go down that road and you can eliminate parking spaces you totally eliminate the architectural renderings of buildings because hong kong is, is is a city built for cars right singapore is better but singapore is a beautiful park space but singapore is still a, a city built for cars right a lot of cities are built for cars and you won't have to have that if you have autonomous vehicles and people movers and and other ways to to get people to to their work and so that so so i mean the, the whole understanding of, of of the architectural rendering of a building how you can lay out new cities um and, and the need for knocking down old cities and rebuilding new ones this is going to be expensive you know uh and so so the the, the sky's the limit and so there are so many companies that we that we highlight in the book some of these uh smaller companies that are doing um really interesting things in terms of uh new ways of architectural rendering, uh, new ways of, 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 of reimagining cities through VR, um, 
uh, uh, companies that are building new types of tile for the exterior and the interior buildings that not only give you a count of pedestrian traffic, but also create kinetic energy for the building. You know, I mean, the, the sky's the limit here in terms of what's possible uh, that we have barely scratched the surface on. And, you know, I would also say to you that, you know, sort of AT&T and Verizon should have been at the front end of the spear here, and they're just not, they're nowhere on this, right? So, so they kind of dropped the ball here as well.